up, y'all? Kofi Kingston here, and I would love to have a drink with wrestling on the rocks, depending on what that drink is, preferably non-alcoholic, you know? How's it going? Kofi Warrior James. Soda. I would love to have a drink with wrestling on the rocks. Maple syrup. Never have a drink with wrestling on the rocks. Welcome to Wrestling on the Rocks, episode one. Again, I'm at Raf Marsh. We are at WOTR the show. With me today, you'll notice the suspicious absence yet again of Kevlar on the rocks. He's going through a whole bunch of stuff, buying a house, building a house, selling a house. It's a lot of stuff. A lot to do with houses. So with me today. We got Bishop. What's up, dude? Yes. And I'm Episode one again. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's been one of the days for both of us. No big deal, though. I'm back again. Bishop from Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast at TW Takes Podcast. Just on Twitter. Got rid of all the other stuff. Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. I figure if I don't tweet, I don't podcast. I also don't need Facebook and Instagram. Uh, but... Uh, com for all platforms. I think that's more of an intro than I gave myself on the last two episode ones combined. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. Yeah, producer lady was uh, trying to tag you in the clip from last week, and she likes to do the reels on on Instagram. She's having a good time ah. with them, and uh, uh, she was like, "I think Bishop got rid of his uh, Instagram." And I was like, "Did he have one?" She was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "All right, well, I don't have to tell you if he doesn't have one now." Like. As yeah, keep up with it as much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I appreciate that, producer lady. Yeah, she was trying to tag you. She put, posted our our, uh, our terrible take on Dominic. And everyone <laughs> talking all the... Uh, she did some clever editing as to protect the innocent. Uh, <laughs> the guilty, however you want to put it. The people we were kind of running through the mud a little bit talking about, hey, like, is Dom doing his job or no? You know, because it sounds like he's getting booed real hard. And, uh, hey, friend of the show, referee Charles Robinson liked the clip. So maybe we're on hmm. something. Hmm. But he doesn't like all all of our stuff. That's just it. Is he like, he follows it and looms around and stuff. And like every now and again, we say something that he likes. I was like, oh, we might be onto something there. Or at the very <laughs> least, I don't think he's like, he's not like, He's obviously not part of like the office up top, trickling down all the information to everybody. But he's back right. there. He's done it a long time. He either or he, he uh, enjoys the conversation or agrees with the sentiment. Which in that case, the sentiment is people saying Dom sucks, doesn't do anything, but he's fucking doing his job right. Right. On the same topic, real quick, we'll get. Well, you know, maybe we can get to it. Well, no, fuck. I'll ask you real quick. Do you think he's fucking up with the three amigos on purpose? Yes. <laughs> I think so too. Yes. I think he's purposefully doing the legs as shitty as possible to upset people. Remember every time Andrade would do it against Ray, mm-hmm. he would the heel way of doing the three amigos Andrade style was do the shimmy and never get the third one. Right? Yeah. But execute it flawlessly. But the pop was in Ray stopping him from getting the third. Yeah. That was the heel way of doing it. This heel way of doing it is like, fuck you. I'll do whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. awesome. 
<laughs> they saw it again every time he did it, i'm always all like Oof. and then he and then i see online and i was like well it's basically trending again like every time he does it people are like look at this this is bullshit what the fuck and so funny dude yeah uh yeah. i'll pull up real quick to see if we had any news because i don't think there was a ton as far as like stuff that makes for conversation that's worthwhile Uh, let me see here, because I thought we saw some stuff. Before we get started, can I ask you a question? Oh, yeah, go ahead. What's going on? What's in your glass? Oh, shit. That's the problem. <laughs> I haven't had any of it yet. It's coffee. <laughs> coffee with a little Terramana in it, because, you know, got a little, a little extra pep in the step. What do you got? What are you drinking? Uh, I did the same. I did the same. I think when we do these afternoon shows, it's only appropriate. I have my final cup of coffee with my first drink. It's the... It makes sense. You, uh, you've you been dead on about Reposado and coffee. And I drink my coffee black, so it's the only thing I need in it. It's amazing. Yeah. Me too. It just adds a little bit of uh, spice to it. It even kind of smooths it a little bit. Like, it's amazing the way that it meshes with coffee. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. It, like, I mean, I want to have it with my first cup of coffee of the day, but it's, you know, it's only so much drinking that I can handle. And responsibly, that is. Yeah. But my last cup isn't a small one but that's because it's my last cup of coffee and my first drink at the same time so, cheers yeah me too see i got a massive cup too <laughs> my cup's bigger than yours hashtag bad dragon i know these earlier shows i haven't used the the graphic i made in a while but these earlier ones i would i like to refer to them as happy hour with three r's like power from nwa mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh man no one's in the chat, so it's not like we're boring anybody. That's good. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. no like news. There's like nothing that happened. I do know that it was really funny. Uh, everyone yesterday trying to be like, WWE's going around saying it'd be unacceptable if NXT loses to AEW as they go head-to-head. It's such bullshit. It's made up. There's no When way. are they going head-to-head? Oh, they did yesterday. Oh, at the same time, but they were AEW on the same time was because on? yeah, AEW got moved around because of um, football, oh, baseball. I think, or baseball, or yeah, yeah. So yeah, AEW got moved, and then the idea that like NBA and baseball was on last night during the during NXT, I think, or was it kind of right after the the game started? I don't remember. I remember. Uh, well, because ba- baseball, yeah, baseball was on Fox or FS1. And I think NBA was on TNT. So TBS and USA were open, but they're still flooded with the time slot. Yeah. 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 I mean, look, I think I, I think it would say something if AEW can move nights and maintain viewership. I mean, that'd be that would definitely tell a story for them. But well, And they've, they've been in that situation before a number of times, it seems. Um, and they usually do reasonably well when they move. They do have their core audience that is looking for them. Uh, like so about two-thirds, ex- right? Yeah. It's like yeah. two-thirds or so, yeah. uh, typically. So it would be interesting to see just theoretically how it looks. I don't think that NXT is going to outperform everything else that was on that night, if I'm being honest, just because of... I mean, they put a bunch of big stars on there. We'll talk about it tomorrow with Miss Man Jane. They put a bunch of stars from like Raw and SmackDown on there, which was cool. <laughs> But I don't know if they put the kind of stars on there that you would sit there and go, oh, shit, can't miss. You know what I mean? It was right. outside of Kevin Owens being like 
well, there's no way I'm not going to watch Kevin Owens talking. He wasn't in a match. Uh, they used a few surprises of talent coming through. I just don't see that being enough to where like people are actively switching over. Otherwise, you know what I mean? Yep. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a small bump, but I don't think they're going to double their stuff. And what I was getting to was the, no, the, the news thing that that was the edict on the inside. I just think is absolute bullshit because... Out of every interview I've heard from anybody who worked in NXT during the time they were going head-to-head, everyone always said that that was made up. That the Wednesday Night Wars concept was a dirt sheet made up thing. That internally, they even said, Hunter never said anything about the other program or our need to try to surpass them or even what are they doing. You know what I mean? Like, it was strictly we're doing our show and this is the time our show goes on like he said there was never a feeling of pressure never a feeling of of competition in that way and like that we're head to head what are their numbers versus ours it's we're doing our show the best we can now mike mansuri did say that he was working production at the time and that they did have a tv monitor in the production truck where they had it going on because they were curious uh he said certain things like cuts to commercials or who might be on stuff like that little production thing. Some of that they made decisions based off of what was on AEW screen at the time, or if AEW had just gone to commercial, maybe they're going to try and come back from a commercial with something really hot. So people who might be flipping might stay like little things like that, but it wasn't like we're writing the show around it, but they were making some production decisions around it. Right. Cause you know, why not? Uh, so yeah I just think that, that the fact that that's coming out as news is ridiculous because we've never heard anything from anyone internally ever to suggest that Triple H has ever believed that quote failure is not an option he's always believed the marathon not a race you know yeah well he's he said it with Ariel Hawani too he said they beat our third brain great like oh. or a developmental not our third brain. He said our developmental. Like, great, good for them. Um, I do think that they have a different mindset anyway. So, no, nah, I mean we've we've been down that road before, and it, whatever. You know, it's it's definitely um, fan fan lore anyway. Because if you want to get technical, neither of them win. Fucking the worst football game gets 15 million viewers. So congratulations, wrestling fans debating over 300,000 when ne- neither show pulls fucking 2 million. Like, the fuck out of here. Yeah. The shows really mean nothing in the grand scheme of things. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, wrestling is it's good entertainment and we love it and it's it's fun to watch. And there's probably, you know, 6 million people in the U.S. that watch it. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's three, there's 330 million. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's 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 Which it's also, foolish yeah yeah 100 percent. it's foolish because it is like yeah they're not pulling more than i mean what was it i like the one guy i forget who he was online but there was a, a while where somebody was just thought the whole thing was laughable right and so they did the nxt ratings the ew ratings and then that like a uh, guy's grocery scramble yeah. thing his their ratings because it was it was on another channel not even like nbc it was just like another channel and I say NBC just because it's like a huge, massive local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get. Yeah. Uh, and like it was uh, like always like triple 
you know, quadruple. Yeah. Like it was always like, well, they got nine million, and so it was just kind of like to show, like, hey guys, random shows are doing like random non storyline driven shows, game shows, right? About grocery shopping, are doing better than these two shows combined. So it's almost like, what do you guys think you're yelling about? Which also goes into Triple H's whole argument that I've always heard him make too, was that it's about whether or not the TV channel's happy. Are the sponsors happy? Right. Are they going to keep your, your, your spot? Are you going to get renewed? Are you, you know what I mean? Like to them, it's like what number makes them happy. That's our goal number. You know, what number did we have 10 years ago? is irrelevant to what's going to make USA happy today. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I used to do that same thing with the mass singer when, uh, oh, when yeah. the Wednesday night Wars, yeah. When the Wednesday, <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, the mass singer got four and a half million views. It's a uh, double what those two got combined. Like it's just, yeah, it's, it's so dumb. And then, you know, I saw, I was last night I was watching baseball, uh, cause he, you know, I'm a Yankees fan. They were on TBS and they were, um, or in the afternoon, I should say, I was watching it and they were advertising for Dynamite and they said uh, two and a half uh, million viewers weekly on the show. And the graphic went down so quick, but on the bottom it was, you know, P, uh, P plus one plus three or whatever. So that mm-hmm. it, they're including DVR in their viewership, uh, which is fine. I mean, you have to gauge your audience somehow, but I do find it ironic that. I mean, their ratings just don't hold a candle to anything live, uh, live sports or even uh, sitcoms and shit. So, like, come on, like, it's yeah. it's it's in a vacuum. It's in a vacuum. It if wrestling was the only content, then somebody wins. But there's so much more, and that's that's what Vince used to always say. And I think Triple H has kind of picked up on it too. We're not competing with AW. We're competing with Disney and Monday Night Football and. All the and we're competing with Marvel and Netflix. Yeah, they're doing these, yeah. so that's why they branch out so much. But yeah, we're yeah we're we're right. not only are you competing for what's on live at this moment, you're competing for what's available to stream at any given moment. You know what I mean? Right. What's going to stop someone from watching the next episode of Dahmer because Raw's on? You know what I mean? Right. And they're binge watching. Well, and they do it all the time on WWE. They go more YouTube subscribers than NBA, NFL. MLB, whatever combined, yeah, you know, because that's how they gauge their engage, you know, their their engagement. So yes, because I think that they know their their audience engages a little bit different, a lot different. Wrestling yeah. fans are weird. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even the ones who say they're hardcore fans, some of them don't watch the product every week, and some of them <laughs> will be all like, "Oh, I'm oh, I keep up." Like, "Oh, I'm a hardcore." The ones who say this is the one I like the most. I've been a wrestling fan for 60 years or whatever, 40 years. As a as a fan for 30 plus years, as someone says when they're like 32 because they watched when they were a baby, but they right. haven't watched in like 10 or 15 years actively. They just, if they're doing nothing, they might turn it on. But for the most part, they'll look at their YouTube channel and see what they've got highlighted. Like, yes, you're aware of it. You're watching it. It's funny that you refer to yourself as a hardcore fan in some ways because, you know, you can never walk away from it. Wrestling fans have a sickness. Once you yeah. really love it, it doesn't take much to dibble your toe in there and be like, oh, man, I'm obsessed again. <laughs> All right. All right. But, yeah, they they have to gauge it by, like, how are people consuming it? And if we have 20 million, 25 million YouTube subscribers, but we're only getting two 
1.2 million watching live in the moment on cable, does that mean that no, no that 1% of their fans is actually watching? Or does it okay. mean that their fans consume it in multiple ways? You know what I mean? And it, it's, I think it's a little bit of both because I've never gone on WWE's YouTube purposely. Something may have come across and I would t- I'm not subscribed to it at all. So I know that I'm not the only one who doesn't YouTube WWE and the fact that they cater to those audiences specifically and drive content to those audiences specifically. Um, I mean, that's, again, I've said it many, many times on an episode one and on my own show, Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast, that billion dollar infrastructure that they have, the business model, the format of the entire company is so much more valuable than some fucking spaz with a billion dollars of his daddy's money. Tony Khan can say all the time, as much as he wants, I have more money than them. So the fuck what, man? Build an infrastructure that has sustained uh, engagement from several different platforms so the value of what you have is worth investing in. But I'm just an idiot with a microphone and a laptop, so. And a drink. Dude, I reset up the background a little bit to clean it up some. I put I put my wrestling booze up here. I got my John Cena bottle. Nice. I got the Carmella wine over here. I thought about putting all three of her wine. We do have like a shard and a cab available too. But this is her new label she's going with. So I thought until I have the new merchandising, having the old one, I don't know if it would. What do you think? Should I get another bottle up there? I think you should stop being a fucking mark. Ah, come on. <laughs> we're way past as we're that. both it's never gonna happen. As we're both drinking Terramana while talking about wrestling. <laughs> That's the other bottle I should put up there. I was trying to think of what other wrestling booze I had. I was like, I know I have more wrestling booze around here. I got a little Terramana bottle. Yeah. Like a little one. They got the little the little shoot. Oh nice. Or not, the, not a nice. shooter. The 375s. But, uh, 375s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll yeah. put that up there. Because, you know, wrestling, rocks, drinks, dude. And then look at I'm going to mark out for a second on my own stuff. I got my Becky Lynch Royal Rumble belt right here. Oh, nice. Signed nice. by Becky. And then the thing up top is signed by Seth. Nice. Aw. Your frames yeah. are fucking. That's just it. This was signed the weekend, the night, the, the, the day of the night of, like, their first date. Aw, you did it. You're the reason. I brought them together, man. I was like, guys, come together in Vegas during a UFC fight. Go together. Sit next to each other. Talk. Share a popcorn. I'm just saying. Just putting it out there. (laughs) Um. Yeah, I feel like bad because I have it displayed over in this corner all the time. And I was like, you know what? That doesn't make a bad centerpiece there. Plus, it looks cleaner with these little belts. What do you think? What do you like yeah. it? I do. I, I like this it. off air, but I'd rather do it on. No, fuck it. Like yeah. New, yeah, you're a champ, man. Yeah. yeah. You look like a champ who's won multiple titles. Oh, man. I just realized all my refs got cut out. You can't really see my LJN ref. Well, we talked about it before. You can see a couple. Camera a little bit. Yeah. There's a couple refs there. I got... That's the Stone Cold Koozie for the Broken Skull. Yeah, I was going to say, you need a Broken uh, Broken Skull cans up there, but I saw the Koozie, yeah. Yeah, I decided with the koozie. I kept the bottle for a long time, and then I shattered it, uh, doing almost nothing. What bottle? The bottle. Oh, the bomber. The bomber. Yeah, the bomber. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I've only had the cans. I, I like if I can get it in glass, I will. I'm more gotcha. of a glass drinker than a like a can. Like like even if I were to go get like a six pack of beer, and let's right. say it's the same price for cans or bottles, I'm grabbing the bottles. Right. Are you so a when did can guy? um usually cans because they come in thirties where bottles come in twenty fours. Yeah. So I I go for bulk. Yeah, it's a numbers thing. <laughs> But if I'm at a bar, if I'm <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if I'm at a bar, I'll just take a draft. I, mm. It's too easy to drink. Um, when did Triple H beat Bray Wyatt for the Fiend belt? Dude, how do you think he got back? Did he drop the title to come back? Yep, he had to drop oh, the title man. to Triple H to come back. There's no doubt about it, dude. Fuck. Bray Wyatt had to bend over and let him in. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure that's not the case. I'm sure it was a contract thing that's worked out very beneficial for all parties. (laughs) For a guy who doesn't understand contracts, that was a great save. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and I can't wait to talk about that whole thing. Grim Reaper's in the chat saying, hi. What up, Grim? Isn't that weird? He talks like that. I don't know because he didn't find me at Extreme Rules. He did not find you at Extreme Rules. He's probably pissed that we didn't tell him we were going on at 11 today because, like, when we go on, like, before, like, evening time, he's usually good for it. He's like, like, the last time he came on, it's because the day before he goes, I want to come back on. Are you going to be on early tomorrow? <laughs> nice. I was all like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Hey, are you just on Twitch again today? No, today we should be... Well, I guess I should double check. I know we're definitely on Twitch. I don't see it on YouTube. I was going to pull up the, the YouTube so I can see the chat. Is Grim on Twitch? Oh, shit. You're right. We're only on Twitch. I know why, too. I had to switch around some stuff, and I didn't fix it. Yeah, I heard you talking about it with uh, Miss Amanda last week. Yeah, I had to switch around the keys and I didn't fix that. I was trying to figure out what the difference was. Yeah, we're only on Twitch right now. That's a bummer. A little more extra work for me on the back end, so I'll put us up on YouTube later. So, um, yeah, I don't need the chat. You can read. <laughs> yeah, I got the the Twitch chat up. Uh, I mean, if I was only if I realized I was only in Twitch, I probably would brought the other one because I can do the little emojis. But they're good. They're fun. Anyone who's watching twitch.tv slash wrestling on the rocks. Got little emojis of Vince making faces. Uh, yeah, I had to switch over that key and I totally forgot. I should have tried to fix that. Restream was fucking up last week. I don't even want to use Restream anymore. Right. I don't like them. But they're can't free. Not to just yet. Right. Right now it's free, yeah. Uh, but that's a good call. It's only episode one. Take a drink. Well, I was going to say if you listen back to our last two episode ones, yeah i think we made it man we technically should be on episode three right now that's how good the episode ones were no technical difficulties platform we were aiming at that's a failure that's a massive episode not on the failure well this one is on the last couple ones yeah not on not on the last episode one or the one before that fucking killed it twice for you bro it's not my fault miss amanda jane sucks at co-hosting that's a good point she's a mess (laughs) (laughs) such a kick out of it sometimes ask her a question and then i'll be like okay 
but about John Cena, no, like, uh, um, did you know, did you know that cult really? <laughs> yeah. Yes, Amanda, we know. <laughs> I forget what it was last week. I had asked something about like what she thought about like, uh, Bray Wyatt coming back and she talked about like Colt Cabana for a bit and it's like, okay, but the question was, but she's fun. That's why I like her, man. She's a wild card. You just don't know what conversation you're getting out of it. It's going to be a good time every time. Hey, it's for your audio pleasure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if there was any other new stuff to rag on or make fun of. I don't think so. Every now and again, the dirt sheet says a thing and I just laugh and then go like, it's so funny. People, and here's the other deal I get a kick out of. When I see online, people go, everyone knows it's been documented and shit like that. And you look at it and all they're talking about is a thing that they they read in a dirt sheet one time that was yeah. <laughs> There's one person I even saw get mad at it. Like, fuck, they was going back and forth. It was funny to me. I giggle at pettiness and the little fights. Someone was talking about how, um, well, because the Adam Cole news, I guess there's a little bit of news. Like, his supposedly the injury he has is so severe with his neck that there's massive concerns that he may never wrestle again, that his career may be over now. No uh, shit. So. You know, as with all things, it's, oh, he should have stayed here. He shouldn't have gone there. And that's what happens when they're reckless and stuff. I don't remember the injury happening live in a moment. I don't know who was at fault. I don't know if it was a culture issue because I do think there's something to be said for. We've talked about it before with NXT. There was a lot more injuries in NXT than there was on Raw and SmackDown. And it was because their style, we <laughs> believed, wasn't that they were unsafe, but they're, they were trying trying more to go harder go faster kind of a concept like trying to prove themselves in a way and i yeah. think that kind of drive is a very much alive in aew this is my match like fucking let's really go and people either miss everything wildly or they stick everything too too much or whatever like i don't know i'm not the pro i don't i don't know but i'm saying like that conversation happens right so yeah whether or not he got injured because he was an aew because he was with somebody who was a rookie didn't know any better I don't know, and I don't think so. Um, but someone was all like, how could you say you'd been better off in AEW or WWE? You know, because that's what the argument was. And I was like, I don't fucking know. Uh, the argument was like, oh, if he, he should have gone back to WWE or this and that. And someone was like, oh, they were going to change his name. They were going to make him a manager. They're going to do all these things. And they're like, oh, then you must know something that Adam Cole does. And, and they pulled a quote of when Adam Cole was asked about that and said, that was nothing I ever heard of. That was never talked to me. That was never pitched to me. If that was something that was going to happen, then it would have been in a closed room that never came to, to me at all. Like that was never a conversation or a pitch. Right. Um, and people still will go like, Oh, well they'll, then they'll try to make excuses for it. Right. Well, just cause Adam Cole didn't know, didn't mean they weren't going to do it. And you're like, I think that they talk to their talent more than they talk right. to their sheets personally. Right. I think anybody in the writer's room is probably more apt to going to the talent and saying, this is what they're talking about, man. I'm trying to fight for you, whatever, than saying, let me call PW Insider and let them know what's happening in this private meeting that only three of us are in and they'll right. know who called. The other two being Triple H and Vince or something, and you're all like, okay, they're going to know who called. <laughs> like, so dumb. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, to the to the Adam Cole point, I think most of Daniel Bryan's stuff was repetitive uh, wear and tear, as opposed mm. to a single yeah. a single blow. So I was I was kind of thinking the same thing because I, I mean that's another thing I gave AW shit for so long them being unsafe, but I think I've seen a lot of what Adam Cole's done over there, 
And yeah, I don't think anything specifically looked like it happened to him. So if he just got a bad uh, checkup, you know, that shows some abnormal wear and tear or some narrowing of whatever, um, you know, it just could be years of abuse. You know, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. And he got, which if he was a manager, it might be healthier for him. <laughs> and it wouldn't be the end of Adam Cole's career because if he had a different name, well, then he's right. really Adam Cole. And come on. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Uh, and this just came out. So this is like breaking news. Uh, and, and we'll get into Raw because this is uh, relevant to Raw. Um, uh, uh, the Good Brothers, Big LG, Machine Gun Carl Anderson. They had their match there, and they were announced for Crown Jewel against the Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. And someone pointed out that Crown Jewel is the same day as the NJPW. Um, I forget what the name of the show is, but they had a show coming up where Carl Anderson, as the never open weight challenge champion, I don't know what that means. Never open weight. It's got to be open weight, and never has got to be the name of the division. The never division, which I don't know what. I don't know. Why would you call it that? I don't know. It just sounds like a belt for no reason. Yeah. All right. Well, he is their never open weight champion. He was going to be defending it on an NJPW show. Happens to be the same night as Crown Jewel. They've now booked him for Crown Jewel. And so they put out a video, the two of them, where Carl says official statement from the greatest never weight challenge on the fact that NJPW booked me without going through my booking agent, Big LG. So with that said, we got a problem. Signed WWE's The OC, Carl Brightlights Anderson. So fun. <laughs> a little petty little dick. Yeah. Uh, uh, but so, so they put out a statement saying they're not going to be the NJPW show. And they did okay. it in an entertaining, fun way. But he did it without dropping the title. He's done it without dropping the title. He's holding the title in the thing. So there's that. So he didn't say he vacated it. He just said, you guys didn't go through my booking agent. And then he says what his email is and they bleep it out and stuff. They did a good job with it. It's a fun little video. Um, They didn't go too over the top with it. They kept it in a nice little fun way. So the never open weight championship never is an acronym for new blood evolution Valently, eternal, and radical. So it makes less sense now. (laughs) That is that is is the worst acronym. I mean, like, like you want to talk about forced? Good lord! Yeah. There's no. They literally said, "Okay, we want it to be called the Never Champion." What could it mean? And they just started throwing out words and they didn't make a sentence out of it. That's crazy. Well, yeah, yeah is what it is. But they're not going to be there. Uh, let's see. Did you want to talk a little bit about SmackDown? Talk to SmackDown? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I waited for Bray and there were some cool matches beforehand. So, you know, whatever you want to talk about. All right. Well, they started with that weird. Uh, well, I don't want to say weird. I mean, I mean to shit on it immediately, but they started off with that whole backstage thing, the chaos. I do think that as cool as it as it has been to see them do the the top of the show differently lately, 
I feel like he's starting the Triple H guy I'm talking about. You know him. You've heard of him. Mr. Helmsley himself. Paul Hurst Helmsley. Levesque. Levesque. <laughs> he, uh, I feel like he might be getting into his own pattern of, okay, how do we open with chaos? How do we open where it looks like we weren't ready to go live? Like, you also don't always want to look like you're not ready to go live, <laughs> I think. Like, right. it should be a mix because, you know, like, well, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? How can it be different if it's the same thing you do every week, right? So after a while, it becomes status quo. So then in a week when SmackDown opens with a talking segment, people go, oh, that's, that's really weird. It opened on time and someone's coming to the ring in a normal entrance. This seems awkward. Like, they keep starting the show before the show starts. That's like kind of yeah. the thing now. Yeah. Which is and they're going, nice they're, in some ways, but I'm afraid he's going to get too. No, repetitive. it already is. Yeah, it already is because even like on Monday, they open yeah. with just Bobby in the ring. You you got to take a break. Got to take a break. Me. Yeah. That one bothered me. We'll talk about it. Well, let's talk about it now. I mean, that one did bother me because it was Bobby mid-sentence saying, I'm out here cutting this cutting his, his segment there and challenging Brock. I know you're back there and Brock comes out. How much did Brock, did Bobby need to say to start that, right? Like they could have even had him come out without his entrance and that would have been better. But this whole like already talking business was a little bit too much. I think like you could do the whole thing. We're raw. And then while I'll, I'll give you one better. Off, you, you even have like Bobby walking out and it's like, Oh, Bobby looks pissed. Yeah. What's he coming out here for? Exactly. Then, then maybe as he's a few steps out, suddenly his music starts playing because they're like, look, Bobby's out there. Go yep. play his music, you know? And then yep. he gets out there, grab his mic. Same exact thing, you know? So because because we're inundated with the format of wrestling, entrance music, pander to the crowd, get in the ring, regardless yeah. if it's healer face, right? Yes. I don't fantasy book, but I'll back book here. What I would have done is have Bobby or have have the announce table welcome everybody to Raw, shoot it to a backstage interview with Bobby Lashley, have him during the interview, somebody say to him, oh, well, Brock Lesnar's here. Oh, he is? And then follow him to Brock and have the scuffle, then the breakup. But to do it in the ring, you're trying to pull us, not trying to, but like it pulls us as viewers away from the format we're used to. And to your point, it's like, well, what did we miss? Why, why did we not see the entrance? And Bobby has a great entrance. His, his song is awesome. His titantrons are awesome. So why are they pandering to the Brock pop of the music as opposed to presenting it in a more natural style of him going after Brock? To put him in the ring without the the entrance of the, you know, the pop and circumstance of the entrance, we're not having a, uh, a cohesive view at Bobby, if that makes sense. Yes. And... Like I said, I think that even you can have that chaotic moment with Bobby where it's like, because they're trying to like, like they were doing with Karrion Cross and Drew here. They're trying to say like these feuds are elevated. They're heightened. Not everyone's waiting. Like, because before it was almost all like, aren't these guys supposed to be mad at each other? Why are they so calmly talking to each other, allowing each other to have their entrances and doing like, why aren't they trying to th swing on each other? Like there was a point at, in the last iteration of uh, Vince's Vince's rule of the evil empire that uh, uh, 
was so formulaic like that some of the feuds even though they were building storyline wise to be heightened came off a little sterilized because they didn't go after each other in those moments they weren't heated they weren't doing things that were out of their scheduled here's what you do right so they're trying to free that up a little bit and i think it's good but like i said your way would have worked just fine i think even having the entrance start off and bobby coming out maybe the first thing he says when he grabs the mic someone just told me brock's back there i know he's back there and like you know like i said halfway through there he's storming down he gets halfway down the ramp they start playing his music because they're all like, well, that's Bobby's going out to the ring. We might as well, right? Because we're trying to cater to our fans who know that that's Bobby. And then you're watching like, this is crazy. Bobby's coming out. They didn't have his music ready. He's not doing his poses. Like, what's going on with him? He grabs a mic and he's pissed. You go, oh, my- Bobby's pissed at Brock right now. Like, it feels a little different, but heightened. And also not like you miss something. Right. You know what I mean? Like, the show started maybe the way it wasn't supposed to, but not like, well, what was he saying for three minutes out there before? Right. You know? Yeah. And I, I was thinking, too, we've been the shows. Um, they play that uh, then now forever together video on the Titan charm. Yeah. So if they're doing that, Bobby's not coming out to his entrance at that time. So did he come out to his entrance before that? And now he's just standing in the ring with the lights darkened while everybody watches the video? Yeah. You, want you know, it's yeah. It, so uh, it, it's it's a flub if they keep doing it over and over and over again. I do wonder if in the if if in the stadium they're making it different. Maybe they're not playing the then now forever. Maybe you and the it's audience possible. aren't sure when the ro- when the show starts anymore, which could be also right. kind of cool. Like, oh, it's starting now. It doesn't even feel right. it's not even it's not even 8, guys. Like it's already gone. Like, <laughs> right, you right. Know? Yeah. Uh yeah. And then at the same point, let's say that you are producing a television show. I imagine you have scheduled segments and matches ready to go. Right, right. So how does it cut on to the air with the cameras scrambling to get this assault and car accident in the back on screen, but we're not going to go to what we were doing? Like, this this even feels forced, right? So there's this attack yeah. backstage. Maybe you do send cameras down there in the chaos, but wouldn't you just, let's play through the show, figure out what's going on, and partway through being like, right when we went live, because maybe you have even... I mean, they're so good at some of these like weird teases where maybe like, hey, it cuts to, to who was it that came out in the beginning? Kofi and Xavier. Like it yeah. cuts to their entrance right at the end of it. Right now you guys go out. Maybe right. you have their music come out and you have them kind of like almost scrambling and you're like, what was that? And then they go out there and like, oh, okay. And then they start doing their bit and they do their bit. But like as they're coming out, they're almost like talking to somebody who's like kind of shooing them. No, no, no. You guys got something. They're like, what's going on? Like. And then they right. okay, well, we have to do what we have to do. We're professionals, right? And so then now they do it. You can do these teases where people are all like, people are acting really weird when they're coming out from backstage. And then you have a fucking Michael Cole kind of like, hey, it's been impossible to ignore. There's been a little, there's some of this and that. We know we promised you carrying cross. It looks like there's not. This is what was happening when we were trying to go live. And then you cut back to the footage, right? Like, just seems like it would come off a little more authentically realistic and not forced realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Like the, the Samoa Joe one where he pulled Ro- uh, Roman from the car. Uh, that one came off a little bit more realistic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And then speaking of that segment, um, it's hard to not look at fucking Drew McIntyre as a heel. I mean, it's the guy possible. gets into a, gets into a car accident and 
let's say he had a fucking separated vertebrae with, you know, a little cracked, uh, you know, spinal issue here. And now Drew fucking slams him in there and breaks his neck completely. Like, yeah, all that's possible. That's all I can think about is this guy just got to a fucking car accident and then you're going to beat him up afterwards. Like taking advantage of an injured opponent is not a babyface thing to do. I just, I'm so fucking out on Drew McIntyre, man. It's crazy. And, and this doesn't even give sympathy to cross because cross isn't presented as the guy who needs sympathy. Yeah. I, and cross was selling it like he was dead. He wasn't yes. even moving. Which again, solidified. I'm like, you really could just break his neck. Yes. You're like, if you want me to buy into this story, you're trying to paralyze him. Okay. That's your baby face. Yeah. Which you're right. Like, I mean, even in the idea of like, if you want me to buy into the story and you're trying to paralyze the guy, okay, fine. Maybe you are that mad and you hate this guy that much, but you're also the good guy trying to ruin somebody's life. Right. Like actual life. (laughs) And, and storyline as a fan base, cross is a bad guy to drew McIntyre, not to the fan base. He's not booed as a heel because we hate him he's supposed to not get cheered because we're supposed to like drew mcintyre yes what are we doing with cross because this doesn't get him more booze and it doesn't help them it doesn't help us cheer drew mcintyre more why do we want to see cross get beat just because he wants to beat up drew mcintyre that's that doesn't do enough that doesn't do enough now if he was if he was a boo if he was if he was Baron Corbin as, you know, the constable or King Corbin and somebody came out and did that to him, then you're like, well, fucking right, man. Corbin deserved it. But Cross doesn't deserve this. He's done nothing except try to beat up Drew McIntyre. And he did. And now, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. You know what it reminds me of? Is it reminds me of uh, uh, like Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns, their storyline they had together? was during a time when they were trying to push I shouldn't say they were they were perceived to be trying to push Roman Reigns as such a big baby face that the can fans were kicking back and booing everything he did so they put him against Braun Strowman who it was perceived they were trying to push as a bad guy but during this time Triple H even said Roman's the best heel we got Oh, yes. He goes, no one gets booze louder than Roman. He goes, you think we don't hear that? You think we're unaware of that? He goes, Roman's the guy. He's just not the guy you think we think he is. Yep. So they wanted Braun Babyface. What do they do? Put him in a series against Roman because Roman is so hated that they're going to cheer everything Braun does. And Braun is going to do some wicked shit, shoving him off of a platform in a gurney flipping an ambulance and people are going to cheer it because Roman's the one getting hurt and they hate Roman people I think this shows that they truly believe that Drew is as loved as Roman was hated and it's just not the case you're not giving me a reason to hate Carrion Right. He's not Drew is like you're right. The entire storyline is that Boo Cross because you love Drew, 
not Boo Cross because he's wicked and evil and doing terrible things. He's a guy who was... I mean, he's actually the babyface story here. A guy who was cast aside by Vince McMahon who tried to ruin his career and he's coming back to take vengeance with the new boss, the new regime, take vengeance on the guys that Vince handpicked to keep guys like Cross down. Yep. That's a babyface story. Yep. 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 Do you think that and we don't see big picture on this? Do you think there's a, a wider scope big picture on here? Do you think we're getting like a double turn at the end of it? Uh, and a double turn's a, a, a soft play on it. I think I think you might be more in line with the Roman aspect. Maybe they're going to treat Drew like they did Roman. And when you finished your point, you actually double backed and kept Drew as the baby face. There's a chance that they hear people like me and you, because, hey, you know, Bruce, fan of the show. Bruce is friend of the show. show. Drinking buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Huge <laughs> drinking buddy, Bruce. Cheers, Bruce. Love Bruce. Cheers, Bruce. Uh, great guy. Great, great guy. The best. There's a chance that they hear whispers or they even know better than we do. Shockingly, I know. Um, that this is about getting Cross up. We are assuming at the beginning Cross is the bad guy. But maybe they know in particular Drew is not getting over as a babyface. That his stale character can elevate someone else by taking the beating. Because when you look back at those Roman things, because I was a massive Roman fan, I still am, always will be. When everyone was hating him, I saw it all. The reason why everybody loved Braun Strowman was the Roman feud. The reason why Bray Wyatt became a people's champion and people are sobbing when he wins the title was off the back of the Roman feud. Mm -hmm. Yes, he people liked him before, but that feud was so big and such great matches. And Roman will put himself out there for his opponents. He sold everything he could for Braun Strowman. And in the end, guess what? Roman wins. So what does the fan say? Fuck Roman. To your point, biggest heel they had. So there's a chance that they're playing that same game where this is fuck Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross is better for it afterwards, win, lose, or draw just because uh, Drew is so, um, I guess, mid now would be the term the kids use today. Kids do say mid. Hmm. Yeah. So What's up, Blue Boyd? Yeah, Blue, Blue Boyd, Boyd in the chat. Blue. Grim Fall and Prey. Yeah, I'm just... I don't know. I'm kind of almost mesmerized by the story, which I've been so kind of out on because it feels so much the other way. And I'm wondering if it's a lot more they're aware. The thing is, though, is I have heard, and who knows the fuck ever, but my understanding is Drew is still a very high seller in their merch. So they have to believe that he's, if not babyface, very popular. And I think... So was Roman. Exactly. At that time, so was Roman. Yeah, he couldn't stop selling shit. No, it was like he was number one behind Cena. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder what they are doing with it because I do think Carrying Cross is the guy here. And Drew's just it's a possible and everything he does. I don't know. It's interesting. I'm a little bit more intrigued to watch it a little more closely now, which isn't the worst thing. It's a good thing. It's what you want. You want to watch to watch. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. So maybe next time Drew comes on, <laughs> take a quick look. 
Uh, let's see. But back in the arena, we got Kofi versus uh, Sami Zayn. The whole Sami Zayn thing in the back, dude. Talking to Roman on the phone. Starts laughing. No, it's an inside joke. It's an inside joke. <laughs> it was so funny, too, because he starts laughing, and then Jade like kind of smirks. Like, oh, what do he say? What do he say? Because he thinks it's going to be a funny joke. It's an inside yeah. joke. And then just, like, again, crushes Jay. Jay is so fucking good, dude. At best. Like, yes, we talk about how amazing Sammy is every week because it's hard to say anything else about Sammy. But it did start with main event Jay Uso some two years ago, kicking off the Tribal Chief in a storyline that would set the pace for who the Tribal Chief was going to be. And realistically, do we believe in the tribal chief the way we believe in him without his original feud with the main event Jay Uso? Hell no. Hell no. That storyline was, was chills worthy. It was awesome. That which one are you promo oh. was just fucking epic. Every time it comes across my timeline, I watch it again. I can't yeah. not. And I know it word yeah. for word, and I can't not watch it. Yeah. He's so good. I got to do a virtual meet and greet with him um, in the midst of all of that. After that promo, but before the Hell in a Cell or something like that. And uh, uh, I remember telling him that I was so happy for what he'd been able to do. And I was like, you're in a tough spot where this is the world we're in. And these are the people who are out and this is what's going on. And it's like, and they've asked you to step into this main event style role and you've done it so effortless or not effortlessly. So seamlessly. Then I was like, yeah. you can tell you're putting in the effort, you're putting in the work and you can tell that you're there and you belong there. And no one would have counted you as one of the ones to be a main event of a one-on-one -on -one championship match against the likes of a Roman. Like, people wouldn't have guessed that you know and i was just telling him about how much his work was showing and how good he is and how much he belonged and he got a little choked up dude you could see it in his, his chin a little quivered and he said real recognize real which was cool um don't know what it means I'm not, <laughs> but, no. <laughs> but it was cool to talk to him about that and see him be all like yeah you know i am putting in ton of work and like i'm trying real yeah. hard and i just don't want to let he was saying he doesn't want to let his family down like this is the family business. Right. It's storyline, right. the bloodline, but it's real life, their bloodline. And without the story, he never gets this shot. Yeah. I mean, there's, there, uh, I just, to call them the best tag team ever is, it's superfluous. Like, it just doesn't matter because they are, they, you can't talk about tag team wrestling of this generation without talking about them. And then you just, put it to any generation you want and you go, yeah, they'd have a great match with them too. I mean, it's, they're, they're amazing. They're, it's, it's simple to say that like family has chemistry, twins would have chemistry, but their chemistry is just fucking incredible. And they, yeah. I'm sure they talk constantly about wrestling, but to have that second to no effort in, in the ring, but thrive on his own. Yeah, and now, now stepping out of the ring because these guys are doing so much work outside of wrestling. <laughs> yes, that's what I was gonna say. Is that outside of the like outside of in ring bell to bell, people want to argue and complain about they don't like this style match or that, and they thought this move looked like this. 
when it comes to storyline and people being invested, people are invested in Jay Uso right now. They're invested in Sami Zayn right now. They love the Sammy Jimmy dynamic. They love the Jay Sammy dynamic. The fact, first off, Sammy breaks everyone. Yeah. Sammy is so fucking funny that there's just clip after clip of Roman and Jimmy and Solo trying to look away from the camera because they can't not laugh at exactly how Sammy's delivering this. There's been a few times with J2 where he like grits his teeth and like sucks his teeth and looks down like he's pissed, but you can tell he's fighting back the chuckles you see in his chest. You know what I mean? Because he's that good. Yeah. Yeah. The chemistry between Jimmy and Jay is such that while Jimmy's over there happy, smiley, laughy, Jay's being serious and getting in his face about it. Dude, I watched that clip a million times too where Sammy's like talking about how good J- Jimmy is. He's like, how could you not love Jimmy? Yeah. Look at that smile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. The dynamic awesome. is insane between all these people and they're all identifiably different characters in so many ways. They're not a bookend tag team anymore. Twins who looked like each yeah. other and talked like each other <laughs> are now identifiably different than each other in every way. They're so good. They're yeah. so good. And and to your point about the Roman story, he's been on, you know, leading into Crown Jewel, but what was the commentary? You know, oh, Roman's going to take time off, right? Yeah. Oh, the fucking champion. His essence of what the bloodline created gives us this entertainment that while, yes, we would love to see a champion, like, come on. Come on. We don't fucking need it. We don't need yeah. it. it- <laughs> yeah. You're going to tell me I got to pick between a Roman championship match and Sami Zayn on the mic with Jimmy for a while? I'll go Sammy. Right. And and the more, I can the, more match. <laughs> the more what's under Roman Reigns is uh, um, identified and solidified and overall defined what they're doing, they then make this massive base beneath this statue of what Roman is, right? They, they continue to raise the, the strength of Roman's character and title run and all that shit because the bloodline now is doing the bulk of the work because he's that strong of a champion. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's the best. Uh, and then we'll talk about the other part too where later on they're in the back and Jimmy and uh, they're no Solo and Sammy <laughs> and Jay and Jay's all like you're welcome by the way did you see that and Sammy's like what are you talking about I didn't see anything he's all like and for once it'd be nice to get a little bit of gratitude for me doing something on my own and the way that Jay just like looks at him like are you serious and then he's all like <laughs> you know it's like Solo you saw that and the way Solo just kind of like almost like he he's under he's like I feel like he's trying to underplay his own expressions and it's making it so amazing like yeah. he did expressions of like he kind of like side eyes almost like he's almost right. moving his head like batman you know what i mean right. of like, <laughs> yeah that whole like my <laughs> neck thing and it just gives this weird kind of look and he kind of like side eyes him and looks over and he's all like no nah, i didn't see it man and kind of <laughs> <comes> back. <laughs> so i saw sammy win the match i don't know yeah, i saw sammy win. Goes, i could learn a thing or two from sammy like yeah fuck. Oh. <laughs> they're all so good dude they the ones yeah. they the ones you know yes. how we the ones came about right yes because they're they the ones putting on all the matches and going out there and shit yep yep 
see we had Braun Strowman in a jobber match but then almost an MVP comes out so now we got almost an MVP and Braun Strowman I'm gonna give you my what what do you think about this good luck Braun and almost good luck I hope it works yes it's gonna be there's no yeah there's no leader in the match and the fact that there's no leader in the match it's gonna be tough so good luck it's gonna be really tough yeah. So if I scope away from the match itself, which all, all they have to do is not destroy the match. Like if they have a mediocre match, it will be fine. Mm-hmm. If they hurt each other, it's not going to be fine. <laughs> Here's what I think potentially we might be looking at from a macro perspective. You have the giant I believe we call him the Nigerian giant. Yes. Against the monster of all monsters. You have the monster of all monsters, Braun Strowman, former universal champion, tag team with a nine-year-old champion, defeat almost the Nigerian giant, and now he's still the monster of all monsters. Until, wouldn't it be great if after we get here, the feud potentially that Bray embarks on is his monster against the monster of all monsters. And if his monster defeats the monster that defeated all the other monsters, then that kind of solidifies that storyline going forward in a sense where we can also acknowledge the history there. There's a lot of story potentially there. And what's this new iteration of Bray going to be like? What's it going to look like? How's it going to play out? If he's a different kind of monster, not the fiend, but a different kind of monster that's going to take out the monster of monsters, I'd be all right if that's what they're setting up with this. Yeah, but that sounds like fantasy booking, and I don't fantasy book, so. I don't know. <laughs> I see the logic. I see the logic, but having the match just to have Bray get involved, um, I don't like that either, so. We'll I don't see. want him to be involved in the match. Thing after the fact. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. We could even get there in a month or two. I'm just thinking that they're, what they're doing is setting up Braun as the monster of monsters. So when he gets taken down, it's by a bigger monster and solidifies that guy as the massive monster. I don't know how that helps or hurts almost ultimately. If he lost to a guy who's destroying everybody, does that really hurt mm-hmm. almost? He lost to Bobby Lashley and he's still being presented as this massive force. So I think you could still get away with using him just the same. Mm-hmm. But there's also no story between a Bray and an almost. Right. You know. We did get the in-ring return of LA Knight. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of this match? Not practiced once. You're welcome. You said what? Uh, I said not practiced once. You're welcome. That's a good point. (laughs) Um, He looks better on the main stage than I thought. Um. I do like that uh, Wade Barrett is on commentary for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Mansoua is incredible. Yeah. And I do think LA Knight has more to offer than I thought. So I know a lot of other people were big fans of him. So I, you know, I see it. it I think it has a ceiling, but there's potential of a higher ceiling than I had thought before. So I'm excited for him because he looks like he's getting his 
ability to make or break himself, kind of like everyone else's. So, yeah, um, it's a good play. It's a good play. Yeah, I'm really excited with it. I do think that when I saw him live, when he was in the NWA, I remember feeling like I was seeing a much bigger star than belonged here. I remember feeling like, hey, this is this is like when I used to go to shows in the 90s. Like, this felt like, hey, this is, like, how is this guy here? Like, I think his potential is massive. And I don't want to compare him to too much uh, of the greats, but there was nuances about him that reminded me of several greats in their own way. Where Not in the words all like, oh, you're a carbon copy this, or you're a makeshift that, or you're copying this. It's just like, that fluidity reminds, like, feels the same way I felt watching this guy. And yeah. that way of of moving feels like the way it was watching another, another guy who moved in a similar way, right? So, so excited to see him doing his thing. I love that we're watching him train the crowd on how to respond to him. You're seeing him do all the stuff. It's, it's NXT all over again. Remember, he gets to NXT and we were all like, man, the fans are not on board with him. Yeah. By the time he left... He was he was their million dollar megastar, and they were yeah. eating out of the palm of his hand. Like the fact that he did all the things and saw he was getting no reaction. I don't know if he was told to take a mic or didn't. I know he cut that like what minute and a half real quick, and he told the fans, "I don't care that you're not on board. Fuck all y'all," because that's how he did it in NXT. <laughs> yep. If they're not gonna play along. Then you tell them you don't need them and you go heal on them and you're so damn good at it that by the time you're done with this story, they're cheering you, they're following along, and now you're babyface. And he can go back and forth as much as he wants. He's that good. Yep. No. No, it'll get there. I think his strength is storytelling the crowd. Um, I do think he moves in the ring a little smoother, like a smoother version of Steve Austin, but I don't think his in-ring work is as impactful. But that's because L.A. Knight isn't as impactful. Um, but he carries the crowd to the story he's telling. That's what got me. You yeah. know, the way he the way he went through that Cameron Grimes feud with the Million Dollar Champion and all that stuff, the way he, he brought to the match, you know, really, really uh, got me as a, a – uh, I'll say a, a fan. I'll, I'll say a fan. I wasn't going to say a watcher of his his work, but I, I, I'm a fan. So yeah, be be good. His potential is, I think, outrageous. I really do. Yeah, I think his potential to main event WrestleMania is not not an out of bounds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of people you see where you go, like, oh, the main event WrestleMania one day, and you just go, it's going to take a whole lot of work. With him, it just feels like it's going to take the right timing and place. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, when people talk about people trying to take, I don't know, talk about it, but like the money in the bank, people are like, they put it on Gargano. I'm like, that's going to take a lot of fucking work. But <laughs> uh, let's see. Roxanne joined up with Shotzi and Raquel against Damage Control. They had a backstage segment where Bailey called her stupid, <laughs> felt her a little idiot. So fucking funny, dude. Uh, yeah, I like it. Roxanne's asking Raquel to do the thing, and then all of a sudden, Ra- Bailey walks in. Like, what are you, st- like, what are you, Roxanne? Stupid. And she's like, I'm gonna teach you, little idiot, a thing or two up front. Like, just it's like the way she delivers these r- relatively childish insults, insults in a serious fashion. Fucking cracks me up. 
Yeah, she's great. Um, I thought the match itself, though, was awesome. And I thought that Roxanne showed that she absolutely belongs on the big stage already. Said the same thing. The, even her standing backstage, she positioned herself. And it looked, I think that's the power of NXT because she's, you know, an indie darling. A buddy of mine asked, you know, who are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, this is someone who's so young but traveled the world and been champion uh, that, you know, she's worth rooting for and watching. He's like, oh, okay. Well, turns out she looks the part mm-hmm. on a big stage, backstage and in the ring. I thought it was great. I got like no complaints about it. It was just awesome. to be honest. To be honest, I'll say this: I think she looks better on SmackDown than she does in NXT. Yep. Yep. And we'll get there, but she looked better in this match than some of the women we saw on Raw. Yes. And she looked like she blended better than some of the women we saw on Raw. Uh, Hit Row versus Legato Del Fantasma. I mean, I liked it for what it was. Um, yep. I don't have a ton to say about it. No, we saw it in NXT. It's a reintroduction of all of them together in their chemistry. It's decent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a problem with any of them right now. You know, I'm liking what they're doing. Yep. I'm loving adding Zelina. I feel bad for Elektra, and I hope that we at least see her pop up somewhere. Yeah. Like if she's back in, in NXT doing something else. Because you know what it reminds me of a little bit? Is uh, Carmella when she was in NXT, she was with uh, um, yeah. Yeah. and then when they got called up, they didn't bring her, and everyone saw like, oh man, who's she gonna be without them? Like, her character was like their hype woman, and Staten, Staten Island uh, Princess, yeah, yeah, the Staten Island Princess was like based around them, like, she's got no identity now, and she stayed behind, and she's done quite well for herself, yeah, I'm she's a Hall of Famer, so <laughs> yeah, she's the only Hall of Famer in that group. Yeah, it's a uh, true story. <laughs> as of right now, I'm just going to say they couldn't. Yeah. But uh, let's see. We had a fatal four way match: Ricochet versus Shamo versus Rey Mysterio versus Solo Sokoa. Carrying Cross unable to be in the match for the Intercontinental Championship number one contender spot because Drew tried to kill him with a car and break his neck after the fact. And apparently, I mean, we don't know how Scarlet got the bloody nose. But I wouldn't right. be surprised if oh. Drew McInfart just punched her right in the mouth. I think that's the case. Could have just Claymore. Yeah, he Claymore her. Just gave her the fucking boot to the face. I don't even think that he would be willing to do a wrestling move. I think he just balled oh. up his fist and punched her right in the mouth. The only thing he didn't say that it was Drew Galloway, not Drew McIntyre. Yes. <laughs> he said, fuck character. I'm going and punching yeah. this chick in the face. Yeah. 100%. He was all like, look, I'm not playing kayfabe stuff. Look, I don't care what you do. Like, but the man himself, that's why they didn't pull back. And, and that's why he wasn't caught on camera. He looked around and he's like, I'm punching her in the damn nose. That's the kind of man I am. Mm. <laughs> Fucked up. Oh, shit. Uh, dude, the match was sick. Yeah. Yeah. Rey Mysterio was awesome. Oh, what do you think about that backstage segment, too, with Rey Mysterio in the back saying, uh, uh, hey, uh. Yeah, I got a problem with Rey. He, he doesn't do emotions well. 
Uh, he never really has, and the whole oh, and it and it, it was. I thought it was obviously coming that he was just going to be on SmackDown somehow. So, um, I thought it was cool, like to have it. I just thought it was executed poorly for me to like invest in the non-obvious. What do you think about Triple H's uh, side of that story? Uh, I think he played to Ray's level. I think it had Ray done it better, Triple H would have given better. Well, because you also, yeah, you don't want it. You have to match energies. If you yeah. are, if you're being so sympathetic and they're not crying, it looks right. really weird. You become right. patronizing. So right. that also buys like uh, feeds into um, to me the big takeaway from it is Triple H is really painting the office, the company, as a big sympathetic father type figure where it used to be the company that would screw over the guys and best for business and the evil empire and all that. Yeah. So the idea that Ray could come up to, to triple H and talk company wide, like I'm feeling this emotion and have the company hand on the shoulder. Let's see if we can make something work. Like, Oh, I feel so bad for you. I can't imagine. He said, I can't imagine what you're going through being that level of empathetic. Right. As opposed to potentially a Vince character back in the day would have said something like, that's nothing. You know, I've done this and I've done that and I did this. If you're going to cry about this, you know what I mean? Like, or even him saying it to an Adam Pierce, he's saying yeah. it directly to Triple H. Yep. Um, also, it solidified the brand split to me. Yes. He is now on SmackDown because they do not cross populate with Raw unless yep. it's the titles. Um, so, yeah, I'm with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I did like it. I mean, Rey Mysterio winning. Fucking cool. Yeah. I'm okay with the Gunther-Rey Mysterio match. I feel bad. Great match. It'll be a great match. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking that this could be a great opportunity for Gunther to learn from Rey how to really put over a smaller guy and still look like a massive killer. Because mm-hmm. I think that's got to be tough balance, right? How do you... Because remember, this was a complaint I had about uh, Keith Lee and Adam Cole in NXT. Keith Lee didn't know how to feed himself to Adam Cole without making himself look weak. Right. Right. That's a tough thing. And he and it wasn't that he made Adam Cole look strong. He made himself look weak. Yes, he would take bumps bigger than necessary. I... Yeah. think that this is going to be Ray's way of teaching Gunther of how to be a big dude how do you make a small guy look like a formidable foe without making yourself look like a douche well Gunther does a good job of breaking himself down Yes, even in his own energy when he's getting tired the way he I guess breaks down his own limbs right he'll go to a one knee or then down to two knees and the way he gets himself up we'll watch Ray break him down that way um, that's why I think it's going to be an awesome match. Ray's going to break him down, and then, you know, he'll get the shit beat out of him. <laughs> and it's, it's just going to be awesome. Yeah. Absolutely, dude. I th- and I think that I don't think that it's because, and I'm not saying because I don't think Gunther knows how to or can't. I think that he's fucking awesome. And I think that he probably already gets it. But I do think that being in there with a Ray is only going to help, help him learn those things. You know what I mean? Like how, like fine tune it all. Where I do think that that could have been really beneficial to a to a Keith Lee in an NXT, you know? Yeah. Because um, even now, when you watch what he's doing now, he doesn't 
sell himself to a smaller guy like the smaller guy is tough he sells himself to a smaller guy like like he's lighter than air you know yeah. what i mean yeah yeah absolutely uh Grooper says i can't wait to see the chop midair yeah that's gonna be good just getting chopped out of the sky yeah goes for a 619 smack right in the chest <laughs> <laughs> just grabs his legs and picks him up yeah. and helicopters him. Yeah. Uh, okay so then the real thing that happened here the big talk Bray Wyatt comes out at the end and cuts this promo with dim lighting it's like half blue half red it's very very moody and Bray opened up in a way that's had a lot of people talking did we see Bray Wyatt break character? Do we see Wyndham Rotunda talking to the fans for a few moments and we'll never see anything like that again out of him? Was this his chance, right? He said things about how grateful and nervous he was because he never thought that this would happen. That he would be able to show a side of him. He goes, this is just me being me, genuine me for the first time. The crowd's chanting. He kind of giggles. He seems relatively choked up about how he lost everything his confidence his career he lost people who was very close to him and he's lost his way saying that he started to venture out into the world talking about it took a while before he he's been gone 18 months and it was probably about six months before we saw him do a meet and greet but then he did a few of them and he's talking about how he met certain people and he goes and you know who you are talking to those people yeah who told him that his words saved their life and ultimately, he realized that they saved his. And when he said that when he didn't think anyone cared or anything that he ever did mattered, he realized he was wrong. And that no matter what little breadcrumbs he left, they found him. That the fans always found him and found every clue. They were always searching for him. Kind of talking about the whole White Rabbit even thing, right? Like this little right. game. Uh, all the clues he ever left, people were digging up. So do people care? Yeah, everyone's talking about it. He's trending because of a clue, right? This gets interrupted by this new mask who says some very creepy things about don't worry about the past. Don't worry about the future. Your life is over. You don't know who I am, but you're going to, you know, like. And people were talking about how maybe that was even interrupted at the moment because that's how much time they had left and that was the time to do it and that Bray was maybe running long. Before I tell you what I think of it all, that's kind of the setup of what it was. What did you think of it all? What was your takeaway and your perception of what was being delivered to you? So number one, for the first 35 seconds, I believed every word he said. Mm -hmm. I got emotional. I got excited, I got sad, I got happy. Like he just, he rocked me along. Yeah. Then I realized he rocked me along. <laughs> and as he gets into his story, I'm seeing the setup and I'm like, this guy's the fucking best. He is literally the fucking best. He is, he's so fucking good. And I do believe, I do believe that in it was a structured promo based on real life. That's exactly what I believe. And I believe it was done on purpose because he wanted that opportunity. When he was doing the Whale and Mercy character or the um, 
uh, yeah, the Whale and Mercy character or whatever, he he was on several podcasts talking about, and the Rambo and Ra- uh, Rabbit character, he was talking, and he, that's not his voice. The, the promo he had in the ring on SmackDown, that's not his voice. That's a character voice. And I, and I had to remember that because that high pitch is not his thing. He talks normal with it's gravel, it's deep, but he's excited to be home too. And he is emotional to be home too. So I bought in and then 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 I, I just, he worked the fuck out of me, man. He worked the fuck out of me and I loved every second of it and I couldn't control it. I couldn't take a step back. And of course, the punch in the face is the fucking Titan Tron. It's like, yes, exactly. He's setting you up to care about him. And now something out of his control is now going to take over the story. Yeah. And I'm here for it. I'm here for every fucking second of it. Yeah. It's I brilliant. It. It's fucking brilliant. And I, and real quick, and I'll, I'll let you take it back. Um, there, I, I hate horror movies. They're not my thing at all. I hate sus- uh, suspense, creepy shit. It really like, I don't like being scared for no reason. So even the Fiend stuff, as much as I loved it, it's not my genre. It's not my thing that goes, oh my God, there's a Fiend. I fucking love horror movies. This is the best. It's not mine. It's not mine to love. They are, especially Bray, telling this story to get me to give a fuck. And that has to do with the essence of who Bray is and what they're bringing across. I'm here for the story of it. And it's it's a fucking masterpiece so far. Yeah. It's amazing. And I do think that... I think... That this new character is Joe very close to himself. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. think that the promo he cut is very much what this new character is going to be. And I think this new character is very much a very close to who he is entity. Like, how all the best baby faces, the Stone Colds, the Rocks and stuff... They've always said that it was them turned up to 11. It was more or less me, but with a little extra on it. I think they know that Bray's a babyface. I mean, you watched him as the Fiend, not even as the Funhouse guy, but as the Fiend stalk Miz and attack his babies in a crib and everyone cheered. You know what I mean? Like, that's super babyface. Miz could not get cheered to save his life against a dude who was threatening his family and kids who could not defend themselves. Right, right. People still wanted to see Fiend do it. They said, yeah, go ahead, throw the babies. Right. (laughs) So I think this is him turned up to 11. I think this is is a very real side of him that he's allowed to open up in a way he never really has because he's always been so protected by character because he was always supposed to be the bad guy. I think they also realized that Dude, you're just not the bad guy. Everything about you, everyone loves. And the fact that you were gone, everyone everyone keeps pointing at until you come back. Biggest mistakes WWE made, it was always Bray. You know? Biggest confusions everyone had. They always be like, no matter... And we've done it here. When all the releases would happen, they'd be like, oh, I guess I could see this and I could understand that and it sucks for this and that. The one person had everyone floored every time, no matter what. The one person that was always the anomaly was Bray. Yeah. And I would say second to that, probably Malachi Black, just because he was because he was just on TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, Bray wickedly and, confusing. Yeah, Bray and Braun Strowman, they're like, oh, these are WWE guys, you know. Yeah. And if they can get it, anybody can get it, you know. Yeah. It's like I guess Roman's the only one not getting released. Anybody can fucking go. So. Yeah. Yep. 
yeah, one spray went and said, okay, well, all bets are off. There's no yeah. safety net here. So yeah. I do think that this is this is a very real side of him. I do think this is a very genuine way he feels, and I do think it's turned up a little bit, but I also think that he's never not in character. And I think that this was exactly the story he wanted to tell. And I think that the and I think that that's his love letter, right? Yeah. I want to tell the fans I feel this way, and I want to bring them in on the ride and give them a storyline as my gratitude. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm gonna you know what I mean? I'm going to show you how much I care back by making this whole world, which I think is yep. what he does. That's what he does. Absolutely. He's amazing. It's going to be great. Yeah, I can't wait. Cannot wait. Uh, let's see. Raw happened. Oh, yeah, we talked about it. Open up with Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. It was cool that Brock Lesnar came out, and it was cool yep. that Brock Lesnar made Bobby look strong as fuck. I tweeted that out. I said he's he's never had a problem making his opponent look outstanding. Yes. He's I always say it's Triple H, Brock Lesnar, and you better put fucking Roman's name in the top three of making their opponent look amazing at all times. They're willing to sell any second of the day. Yes. So I put them as top three salesmen. They're amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to find a better... As far as making your opponent look good... Uh, I think we talked about that on episode one. AJ's the guy. A fucking Dominic Mysterio match. You're welcome, says AJ Styles. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the 16th? 17th. Yeah. No, uh, 17th. I just realized the... the one. I Would you get of... one from 21 from last no, year? I, no, it was just a shit one where it just like bullet point stuff. Hmm. The reviews I like the most for anyone who cares when I don't write them on my own is Sportskedia. They break down everything as you see it in order. It's great. CBS used to do good, but then their bullets went all over the place. It's and they would, then they would do like, yeah, two bullets and then a summary. So but. CBS is the one I had to get rid of because it was just yeah. fucking garbage. Just yeah. looking at it, it was a total mess. Nothing was in yeah. order. Nothing made sense. And it was like, oh, fuck ever. They've really fallen off. But, uh, but yeah, Brock Lesnar does all that. I will say I was uh, so was a factor that i liked was that they had the entire locker room not the entire but a chunk of the locker room file out to help keep these two guys apart but however yes it was really fucking annoying to see johnny gargano front and center like he's the one who's going to maintain control here and hearing his fucking voice every time the camera was near him like he was the guy who was going to talk down bobby lashley and the bobby lashley should be nervous about upsetting gargano all right like are you kidding me right gargano couldn't referee a match between these two let alone right. stop them from killing each other if they want to right he was ruining that whole moment. I I thought the one who saved it was Shelton Benjamin. Yes. That, which was the perfect use of storytelling. So, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's annoying. Even when Johnny uh, makes the Miz jump off the table and he's, he's threaded throughout the entire night. Like he's a major player and it just, I'm with you, man. Uh, I, I wasn't a Johnny fan. Give me a chance to be a fan. I'll be a fuck. I'll be a fan of anyone. I, I've said it a thousand times. I'll, I'll even be a fan of, of Charlotte. If you present her in a way where I can give a fuck, they're doing nothing with Johnny to present him in a way for me to give a fuck. 
Yeah, dude, I had to give away my Johnny Gargano shirt. I had one. <laughs> I was a fan. But yeah, it just didn't make any sense. The fact that also that like it didn't help that fucking Mustafa Ali and and Akira Tozawa were right behind him. Right. Like, I know that these guys are meant to look like giants and, hey, let's send out some of the smaller guys in the ref so it looks like giants. But also, shouldn't you also... Like, the fact that Otis was there was great. Yeah. Because, yeah, Otis is a fucking wrecking ball. Like, yeah, if he stands between the two of them, they probably couldn't reach each other. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. yeah. And he probably could take a few hits. So, like, and him, Shelton Benjamin, I thought was great. You do have guys who are big, but not as big as right oh my god Grim Reaper Reaper has a point Grim Reaper has a point go ahead the power of Tazawa was out there so he could stop both of them at the same time Mm. yeah it's almost like they were all like well we have no 24-7 segment out today so we'll go ahead and use you guys here instead (laughs) fucking but yeah, Johnny, and hearing Johnny's voice the whole time too. Yeah. His voice is already Weasley to begin with. And for him, he's like, come on, come on, Bobby. You don't want to do this, Bobby. Like, right. why are you talking so much and so loud next to the camera? Right. If he cared as much about the entire product as he cares about himself. We also. He'd, he'd be awesome. <laughs> he'd be awesome. Uh, let's see. We did get the OC versus the Alpha Academy. Speaking of the Wrecking Ball himself. It was a good was, match, and I, I think am it was too. The OC being back, say what? Yep. No, it was a good match. I was actually not that I should be surprised, but so um, one thing I loved too was Cameron Grimes on Raw. Um, I'm not a big Grimes guy, but when he came to recruit the OC, I was like, wow, he fits. You know, yep. that's a big, a big thing. Do they fit? Do they not? And I know yep. Amanda's going to go probably 35 minutes on that tomorrow night, but. My my thought process, I told you last week on episode one, that the good brothers would be the good brothers and it's too much of the goofiness. They did that with Grimes, but they don't do it with AJ. They fall in line with AJ. And I really, really enjoy that presentation. And they're not fucking around in the ring either. They're yes. doing, I, I think they're doing really good right now. And I'm excited for the Crown Jewel match. Yeah. I wasn't sure if we were going to be seeing with, like, I, I mean, it's probably... I mean, if you have to say I don't mean any disrespect, you're probably being disrespectful, and I can acknowledge that. But there was a part of me that wondered, like, hey, are they just back for the money? Are they going to phone it in a little bit and just have fun with their friends? Not at all. They yeah. they had a great match here, and they did an awesome job in that backstage with AJ. Like, they are here to do the thing the right way, the way yep. they want to, to to set their stage for potentially making themselves a hall of fame group. You know what I mean? Like I was just going to say the same thing. There's a, there's a way to do this, to present yourselves as hall of famers. You can wrestle that way. You can have all the accolades across the world and good. I mean, they gained a reputation for a reason, but their presentation and impact and all the shit they did themselves, it was a mockery of themselves because if you want to take the terms and mix them up, even though they mean the same thing, when they left WWE, they turned into sports entertainers. Yeah. But what we saw on Raw was fucking professional wrestling. They yeah. went after it. Yeah, yeah. And I loved the whole thing with Cameron Grimes, too. And I noticed that, too. He fit in really well, but he also was not doing what he's been doing on NXT. Yep. He did what he used to do on NXT. He came in a lot more Southern, a lot more 
high energy. Well, I mean, he didn't do the whole to the moon, but he did a lot. Everything but he did everything but. Hey guys, you know this and that. Yeah. Uh, he was slightly subdued from when he first showed up, but he was like way more character than he what than he's been on NXT lately. Because I've even talked about on NXT, I feel like he doesn't know who his character is anymore. He's they've stripped him of everything that made him who he was. Right here, he was everything of who he was, and it was great and fit so well. And he didn't look tiny. I thought he might look small around some of these guys. He looked around yeah. the size of AJ. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. This is this could work for sure. Where yeah. I was nervous about, is there a spot for him? You know? Uh, I, I agree with the Good Brothers were so funny here. I loved it where they're all like, aren't you the guy with all the moolah? You know, yeah. and then AJ's like, it's yeah. all crypto. You know what I mean? And then yeah. he's all <laughs> like, well, I mean, guys, I want to tell you this. Like, hey, man. Hey, brother. We're cash only, <laughs> but, yeah. but good brother friendly. Right. You know? And then, like, AJ being like, what are you guys doing? Why are you doing this? All like, come on, man. Payday for the boys. Like, <laughs> right. right. And they're trying to sell his shit off his back. The payday yeah. for the boys. So good. If you haven't heard it, the Good Brothers did an interview with Sam Roberts on his podcast, uh, uh, like, a couple months ago. So funny. And it was like everything I wanted from them. I was all like, yeah. I was afraid it was going to be a bunch of fart and dick jokes. Not that I don't like fart and dick jokes. I enjoy a good fart joke. But I thought it was going to be just be way over the top. And they weren't way over the top. They were just fantastically charismatic and funny together and bouncing off Sam. And it was great. And that's exactly what they're doing with AJ. I feel like they need a third. I feel like if right. they have a third to bounce off of, a straight man third... But right. when they're just bouncing off each other, they're trying to... I mean, what's the opposite of the straight man? You know what I mean? Like, there's no right. straight man there to balance them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, loved it. Loved it. Uh, Judgment Day does come out, make fun of them. Hey, I started this whole thing, Finn Balor says, and challenges them, and they accept. And they all did a good job, too. And then and then the, AJ starts the, talking some shit on Rhea. Dom's not yeah. about to have it. Dom picks up the stick, the peg, as it were. Ugh. And he uh, he lets him have it, like he's been getting it. Yep, yep. Good job. Good promo. I mean, Dom Dom's in a pocket right now, as they say. He is right there in his lane, doing his thing, kicking ass. It's awesome. Yeah, I think it's great. And their match was great. Their match was the match was so well done. And I'm tired of this fucking narrative. I sent you a tweet on on Twitter that wins and losses fucking matter. That someone was upset that AJ lost to Dominic. AJ lost to James L Ellsworth three times. Yeah. Believably. He believably yeah. lost. Why? Because AJ is the greatest wrestler of all time. Yes. He's the greatest wrestler of all time to losing to the chinless wonder, James Ellsworth three times. Yeah. He just lost to Dominic. Believably. Not because Dominic out wrestled him. Not because, uh, you know, uh, he has to make Dom look good. The match itself, taking out the fact that you know anything about wrestling, the match made sense. And AJ lost. Come yeah. on. Perfect. AJ lost and Dom is an asshole. Yes. Mission accomplished. Dom had to win that match. Because it makes AJ a bigger baby face to lose to Dom. Right. And like I said before, I think he does the the leg thing in the Three Amigos shitty on purpose. It doesn't look like he's trying all that hard. And I think that's on purpose. 
Because I think at first it was difficult for him and he used to see him try real hard and he was just kind of just shy of it. Now he's not even close to it. And I think it's because he goes, oh, that makes people really mad and they're going to boo the shit out of me when I do it. Right. I'm going to do that now. Like he's leaning into the skid. And I know something too about skids. Yeah. So good. I think it's masterful. Uh, Grimmer does say, glad to see the good brothers survived Undertaker's graveyard farm. Oh, I did tell you that, right? Yeah. Didn't I talk about yeah. that a week or two ago? Yep. Yeah, yeah episode saddest one. saddest part about his coming back was that now but in kayfabe, they weren't murdered by the Undertaker. And that's a little bit of a bummer. That was a good way to go out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, even that too, like AJ being like, hey, come on down here. I'll spank the shit out of you. I'll thumb you. And uh, Dom saying, well, I'm not ready. But in an hour or so, I'll be ready. I thought it was good heat, too. Uh, but yeah, I thought the match was awesome. It was great. Yeah. What do you think about Seth Rollins coming out, talking his shit, and then Mustafa Ali coming out and uh, getting himself super involved here? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll tell you this. Everyone needs to scale it back because this is I, I that leading to the end of the night has less to do with the things they're actually doing on an individual on-screen basis, right? So when Mustafa's on, they're presenting him and then he goes to another place and then you see him somewhere else and then he ends up in front of Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins ends up with Matt Riddle and they keep threading things around. They create this giant spider web and then all of a sudden, boom. The story comes together, mm-hmm. and the fact that and I, number one, guy's a handsome man. He's a dressed all dap. I was like, this mother, good looking motherfucker doing his thing, huh? Like, mm-hmm. I, it's hard to, it's like it's hard to root for him. I was like, I want to root, root against you. You know, you can't look that good and be champion too. It's bullshit. <laughs> but uh, no, he, I think his presentation now. There was something we talked about off camera. Uh, last week and I think what's happening with Mustafa is the opposite of what we talked about off camera that they're trying to make Mustafa into what he couldn't be made into before Mm -hmm. and I think it's going to work I kind of do too I almost feel like Seth Rollins sees this as his challenge to make Mustafa what he could have been right and I got like eight more minutes and then I got to go get the kid at the bus stop. So, all right, that's cool. We'll just wrap it up with a couple more things real quick. The women's match. Did that Which not was... hit the way you thought it was? It was damage control against Candice uh, and Bianca. Oh, and Bianca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Cause I thought it was more about Bailey telling a story than it was the match in the ring. And I think they took less attention to the match. I also felt like as much as I have been putting over everyone in this match over and over and over again EO and Candice both had terrible chemistry and worked really poorly together yeah they almost looked like they were running through spots and not just having the match like it almost looked like they were practicing like they were hardly touching each other in full cell yeah or even some of it was half cells so it was just so weird like so much of this match was such a mess and I don't know why, because these four women are all really good and super seasoned. It almost I almost wonder if they were too comfortable. You know what I mean? Like they got they got to the back and they're like, ah, oh, fuck it, we'll get it next time. Like that kind of too comfortable. 
where it or didn't like hey we'll just figure it out when moment. we get out there and then it's like okay we'll oh, do okay. this and then oh and then go for yeah. the knee and so they tap the knee instead of actually like swipe the knee and then so like oh i'm supposed to go down and like you know what i mean like it was just mm-hmm. it was a mess dude and even at one point io shirai so candace takes out dakota and io and then goes for the pin on dakota and io shirai gets out of the way to make sure she doesn't interrupt the pin so dakota could kick out in a sense where they were all in the ring and she could have stopped the pin why would you not your feet were right there her feet were so close she had to pull her knees up to her chest so she wasn't touching them Mm. just kick forward get off my partner right call an audible yeah just didn't make sense and then the other thing i want to talk about because um i don't the Miz dexter stuff was fucking nothing to me uh baron corbin made his big return with jbl yeah what do you think about his that? Outfit, his outfit sucks. It's so weird, it's, isn't it? It's incredibly distracting. It doesn't make sense. Even if it's an amalgamation of all his characters, I think his outfit is absolutely garbage. Um, I love him wrestling. But if you're going to call him Baron Corbin again and give him this kind of look, it, it makes zero sense. I would, because he even like, yeah, he like compressed all his characters together and this is the shit they came up with. And I, I fucking love Baron Corbin. I was lone wolf supporter baron corbin when people were saying he can't wrestle when he won yeah. money in the bank i was like you know what this is the perfect opportunity to make him champion and have him get fucked over after he's champion he'll turn into a baby face all this shit massive baron corbin fan jbl was fucking amazing yes it, it's it shows you it shows you how different the talent was back then because every time these older guys come back and they get on the mic, they can fucking tear it down. And it, it looks like they're having a conversation with the camera and the crowd instead of cutting a promo, as they say. Yes. JBL was fucking amazing. Baron Corbin, I'd I love to see him back. Uh, same with mm-hmm. Elias, which we can jump into real quick too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I hate the gear. It took me out of it. And I also hate when characters either leave company and go somewhere else or take an extended break and are reintroduced and all the moves are the same. I have a problem with that. Well, Corbin did show up with some new moves and some new stuff, and I thought that was good. His his gear, I thought, was supposed to be obnoxious, but I couldn't figure out why. Um, I feel like he was, he was trying to dig on us to something. Like, was it supposed to make fun of, of something? Like, I, it was really yeah. hard for me to get head to tail of. Um, but JBL, I even said to a producer as we're watching, I was like, that's the difference. That's what I've been talking about these makeshift 101 let me call the audience fat let me call them ugly let me tell them i'm rich let me say that they're poor there's ways to do it that's just flat out more clever and right this is it the way you said they get on your sweat hog feet was a way to talk shit about them living on a farm or them being poor them being fat them being ugly they look like sweat hogs it was all those things without just saying you're fat i'm good looking you look in a mirror and you don't see me so you're jealous like that's the 101 takeaway but his delivery on all of it was the nuance of it all like they hear that promo and say oh he called them fat and ugly no he didn't he called them sweat hogs he called them uh i mean called them a few things but when their takeaway is that yeah he was just so good so happy to see corbin back happy to see elias back i thought that was really cool uh he threaded in the ezekiel stuff talking about you know we have this thing in our family and uh, it, keeping all of that in some type of continuity is uh, is really fun because yes. they can play off of it anytime they want. 
And to your point about Mustafa, it was as if he came on screen earlier in the night to set up uh, Elias versus Riddle. Yes. That's yes. that's why I said we have to zoom out as fans when watching Raw, that they're doing yes. something here a lot differently. And I think the return of Elias was even more meta of the Ezekiel storyline, which I said the Ezekiel storyline was that everyone kicks back when there's any form of rebranding. And that was Kevin Owens' voice, and it was such a meta storyline, so much so that even the return of Elias is that he's a baby face because now they're going to cheer you because we went back to what you were. Like, this is the ultimate meta anti-IWC storyline they've right. ever done, and right. the IWC is, like, eating out of their palm of their oh, hands with it. <laughs> fucking so I fucking told it. you. Fucking yeah, told see? you, Elias. <laughs> see? We knew better all along. And it's just yeah. they couldn't be making more fun of you to your face yeah and you don't see it and i love it i fucking love it um yeah and then seth Rollins won and i mean we'll see how the most thing comes along i felt like in his eyes when he was yelling at seth it looked a lot like i'm playing with my friends and when seth yeah. was yelling back at mustafa it looked like fuck you dude you're not coming for my title and yeah. i think that there's got to be a shift somewhere but well because there's levels right there's levels yes. and how long has mustafa had the chance Yes. So we know he has the talent in ring and on the mic. He can carry a microphone, but it's been a while. And if he gets the chance, then, you know, we'll see. So hopefully they give, hopefully they give him a run like Seth has with everyone else. Yes, absolutely. I agree. And I hope that there's a different side because, uh, um, based off all the interviews I've ever seen, my fear, uh, and I'd love to eat crow on this one because I do think he's super talented. My fear is that his ego is going to get in his way of being super believable. I think he thinks a lot of his ability and I think that it's easy to see through and all he's got to do is believe in himself, believe in himself. Like you're convincing others. You believe in yourself the way that Bray believes in himself, the way that Seth believes in himself, and then it'll all click. But I think he's got pigeon chested, but Guys, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. You got to pick up your kid. Yeah, thank you, I'm going to go ahead and do a last call. Guys, we'll be back tomorrow night right here in the die bar of the IWC for a brand new episode one. Thank you, Bishop, at TW Takes Podcast uh, for coming through and having a drink with us, our drinking buddy. Guys, got it. that's the last call. Cheers. lady here thanks for tuning in continue to support us or buy us a drink by following and putting the i and subscribe on twitch or subscribe and review our podcast on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us cheers i would never have a drink with wrestling on the rock